World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome. This is Jeff. You're listening to the show. If you're in a car with a friend and they're playing it for you, um, it's called Creepy Podsta. Uh, although you probably heard the intro, unless they skipped it, or you got in the car halfway through, in which case you're not hearing this anyway. <sighs> Listen, this is a huge problem to solve, is people listening to podcasts in the car when their friends are there instead of having a nice conversation with their friend. You could say, like, what kind of cereal did you have for breakfast? Or did you not have cereal at all? Maybe you had a sandwich with uh, eggs and cheese, or uh, perhaps just a handful of cherry tomatoes because you were saving your appetite for whatever uh, event you're going to with your friend. I don't know. These are potential conversation topics that all revolve around one thing, uh, my favorite thing, eating food. Uh, but that, oh, I just remembered I have a huge uh, chunk of bread pudding in the fridge that I'm, I'm going to dip into as soon as I'm done recording this show. Uh, anyway, bye. Show's over. Going to go eat now. No, that's not true. We do have to do the show first. Uh, this episode is another no-sleep story called... Your Body and You by uh, E.R. Embry, uh, who is on both, uh, who's on Reddit as a no-sleep contributor under the name Ameagle, A-M-Eagle 2000, like, I guess, like American Eagle, or they're on the uh, Creepypasta wiki as just A-M-Eagle. Um... Oh, this person's a youngin', uh, or they used to be. They're <laughs> we all used uh, to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, their creepypasta wiki uh, lists them as sixteen, but they started in 2013. So I don't know if that's still true. Maybe they are a person who is now 20. Uh, who knows? Anyway, uh, that does answer my suspicion that uh, the people on No Sleep are all incredibly young people who are just having a good time practicing writing spooky stories. Anyway, uh, let's tear them apart. Please welcome back to the show returning from last week, Lisette Voidko. Hey! And Kira White. I love being mean to internet children. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite hobby. Uh, all, it's I do feel bad sometimes, but like you don't um, feel bad that much. Eh, not that bad. Uh, like all the good stories are by seasoned professionals who are fully adults, and most of the bad ones, it's like wow, this is obviously just some high school kid who is having a blast. <sighs> anyway. Um, Oh, Lisette, it's your turn to summarize the story, Your Body and You. Okay, so this story starts off with us in June in Alabama, and the unnamed narrator lives in a trailer just south of I-81, and apparently the location in which they live is a quote-unquote breeding ground for redneck brothels and meth labs, which paints a really beautiful picture. <laughs> um, 
And so this person, because they obviously don't have a lot of money, they drive their rusted black Ford pickup truck to a local shopping mall where there is a Goodwill. And uh, they go to the Goodwill and they like to buy VHS tapes because even though it's 2017, um, they have no money. So therefore, they're still watching VHS tapes. And it's within this Goodwill, the uh, narrator finds a movie that was trapped in the back of the shelf of VHSs called Your Body. And so they like pull it out of the stack. They realize it's called your body and you. And they think it's this like really terrible, like outdated, like puberty video that they show for like sex ed. If you like remember when you had to like sit down in like eighth grade and watch one of those like terrible, like miracle of life videos, like it's supposed to be one of those. Yeah, none of them were as embarrassingly fun uh, as this one seems to uh, be as indicated by the cover. (laughs) Yeah, what was the description? It was, um... Where is it? I'm looking at the... Oh, yeah. It was, like, turquoise and, like, uh, pink and orange, like, shapes. Yes. Like, think like of, like, the... Like, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the Saved by the Bell intro, like, on a video cover about puberty. Like, that was kind of how the this video is being presented to us. And so, the narrator thinks, like, okay, like, this seems hilarious. Like, I'm gonna buy it and, like, watch it with all my friends and, like, have a huge laugh over it, right? Yeah. And so, uh, they take the tape home... Um, and he, like, tried to call his friends over, but, like, none of them came over, but they decided to, like, watch the, the Your Body and You, um, video by themselves, and so, um, the, the narrator quickly realizes that this is kind of, like, a really weird, like, maybe not, like, professionally produced, um, video in the sense that, um... Uh, there's like a, a title card that doesn't have, um, like any professional kind of like finesse to it. Um, and there's a, a robot that's in it called Pubot. And there's also like a creepy clown that's also like a puberty clown. Uh, his name is Pubster. Puberty clown. Yeah. <laughs> like this just gets like worse and worse. It's all, it all has the makings of something that would be incredibly funny, uh, but it ends up being a little more sinister. Decidedly unfunny. Decidedly very unfunny because it, it essentially turns into that this is a family in which this video is made to document like a cycle of abuse by this man to his two children. Um, uh, their names are Tabitha and what was the boy's name? Everett. Everett, thank mm-hmm. you. And so it becomes this, like, without, like, going into detail and recounting it, because it's actually a pretty lengthy story. It's a lot longer than um, a lot of other fanfics I've seen or creepypastas I've seen. Um, we basically realize that um, towards the end of this, like, cycle of abuse where they're, like, basically punching the kids and throwing them down into mud and doing terrible things to them, that uh, the mother tries to stand up for her two kids, this uh, dad figure ends up, like, killing her in the middle of a cornfield, um, and then we get to, like, the very end of it, in which uh, the, the father's name is Charlie. Excuse me. I should have said that earlier. Um, yeah, because he's, he's called Pubster uh, well into the violent parts of the story, which is uh, perhaps an error on the authors as far as uh, spooky choices go. Spooky <laughs> choices and continuity. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the narrator uh, does not learn that Pubster's true name is Charlie. Uh, for The true nature of Pubster. <laughs> the true identity <laughs> of Pubster. <laughs> 
so anyways, to sum this all up, because it's been an con- incredibly uh, twisty-turny, fun little journey we've been on so far, um, the narrator decides to Google uh, the name of the father, Charlie Baker, um, ends up finding out that he's basically responsible for, like, murdering his entire family. And then when he would go out into the cornfields, like, as a kid, he would, like, see the devil. So I guess the conclusion we're supposed to draw at the end of this is that he was possessed by the devil to make this terrible pubster, pubot, body in you, abuse pastiche. Yeah. Only only Satan could have thought of those names. <laughs> There's no other Yeah. Uh, one thing I think is interesting is we never find out if Charlie gets caught. Um, like the there's a bunch of forum posts that are like, yeah, we keep finding these tapes by this guy Charlie Baker, and we found out about his life, but uh, there's nothing about like, oh yeah, Charlie got caught or died, right? Like, am I misremembering? I'm scrolling through here and I don't see it. Yeah, I guess, but then I don't think he was. He, there's a story about him somewhere, right? Like someone finds out about his his backstory. Yeah, someone finds out Public about his childhood and stuff. Deleted Wikipedia articles. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange because before <laughs> we revealed all this internet research, uh, the narrator is like, and I burned the tape, and I'm like, okay, hold on. Uh, you should give it to the police. Um, and then after the research, there's no definitive, like, and it said that Charlie Baker died in prison, so I burned the tape. Like, okay, that would be good. But you didn't tell us that he got caught. You should probably give that tape the, to the police. It has crimes on it. It's a crimes <laughs> tape. <laughs> um, Kira, how did the story strike you? Um, so I just read the new John Darnielle book, Universal Harvester. Ooh. I don't know if you've heard about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was about halfway through the audiobook. Um, uh, but then, uh, like, that was the day that I got laid off, and I was going to finish listening to it that day, and then I didn't because now I don't really have any reason to listen to audiobooks because I'm not doing, like, mechanical desk work. So uh, I'll probably get back okay, to it eventually, but I know the basic premise. <laughs> okay, so um, it has has a lot of similarities to this story um, and in a similar way like sets up this premise that I think could be super super creepy and um, interesting and unique I guess, I mean I guess we <laughs> we have the ring in terms of creepy VHS tapes yeah that's true but um, I don't know I, I'm really into the like scary home movie VHS thing I don't know why that that tends to grab me um, but uh, it built me up and then it really uh, took me down because it just really <laughs> ended up being like a, a story of sad, horrible domestic abuse by a man who probably had like an abusive childhood yeah. as opposed to anything that was more mystical and spooky than that. Yeah, it was not anything like weird or haunted enough to just be like a fun story. It ends up just kind of being a sad one. Um, yep. Is that? Uh, did you get um, a similar or different feeling from it was that i just felt like it was playing like trope jeopardy like i will take creepy clowns for 200 and like 
you know, <laughs> Evil Hicks for the Daily Double. Like, it just, it seemed like I'm just going to throw each little part of, like, the best, like, things I like about horror into, like, one story. And it just ended up being more sad. It made me think of um, that movie, The Butterfly Effect, with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Where that was basically him trying to travel in time to prevent the child abuse that him and his best friend went through when they were kids. And you know, it just... It just makes you want to go fix Charlie's life to make him not be such a monster. Yeah, and I think the way that the whole like story was set up, like child abuse is obviously sickening and terrible and should immediately be stopped everywhere globally around the world forever and ever. But at the same time, I had like very little connection to any of these characters. Like I wasn't invested. Yeah, they were. It was like Cabbage Patch Kids. They we didn't get any idea that these were uh, actual like children. The author didn't like make us empathize with them at all, which um, should be much easier to do because, like you said, child abuse is horrible. It should be very easy to read a story about child abuse and like want to cry or vomit. But this story, I was just like. Yeah, okay. I guess that happened. Right. If it was, like, two of the little kids from Jerry Maguire, like, the little blonde kid, <laughs> if that was, like, <laughs> that'd be like, oh my god, please stop it. How do I save them? But, like, there was really no description of the kids. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get, like, a, no, just that they, a Hunger Games room moment or anything. We never connected to these sad <laughs> kids. <laughs> There's okay. I there's one moment that I found sad, and compelling about the kids. Sure, which is um, when you first see the scene of the mom Betty discovering that uh, our friend Charlie slash Pubster has tied the daughter up to a tree outside all night, uh, and then the kid, the little boy, walks into the kitchen, and he's the only one that's still on the screen um and the description of him and he's in his onesie pajamas and charlie is chasing betty out into the cornfields with a knife and the little girl is laying on the kitchen floor and it's just the little boy um the line that really got me his stomach audibly growled but he didn't do anything about it mm. so it's just this little boy doing nothing sitting there while his sister is like 95 percent dead on the floor and his stepdad or whatever is chasing his mom through the cornfields with a knife and he's just chilling at the table waiting for breakfast yeah it's uh that uh is probably yeah one of the like more haunting uh moments um but, like, when we're revealed the little girl in the truck through the cornfield, I'm like, mm, yeah, this is pretty scary. But, like, I don't, I don't even think that the, the children are described physically. Right. I didn't even know that that was the same girl. I was like, oh, somebody with blonde curly hair has a bag over their head in the back of a pickup truck. Yeah. Who is it? Because I didn't know anything about the girl before then. <sighs> oh, well. Um, oh, one detail that really bothered me, uh, Hancock was released on VHS. Um, the last, <laughs> the last VHS release was A History of Violence in 2006, um, except for a couple promotional releases like The House of the Devil in 2010 or VHS 2 in, um, 2013. Uh, but beyond those, like, weird promotional horror movie things, there were no V, there had been no VHS, releases for two years by the time Hancock hit theaters. 
uh, that just that bothered me a little bit because the rest of them was like Good Burger Dying. and stuff. I'm like, yeah, those are some classic. That's some VHS stuff. So here's the thing: if the author's really 16, would they have any idea who, what Good Burger is? Yeah, probably. I feel like that gets replayed on uh, Nickelodeon still. Okay, I, I haven't seen Nickelodeon forever, but I was like, that's kind of like a really old school reference. And I know Mystery Science Theater 3000 is back <laughs> right now, but like. Yeah. The fact that they like sit there and make fun of them MST3K style was like this seems like someone who's like at least my age. Yeah, the they uh, they did a good job seeming for the most part. Uh, they it didn't break the reality of the story. Um, for like, because it is likely written by someone younger, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even make that uh, connection there. That they did a pretty good job imitating someone in their uh, late twenties or early thirties, um, except for not knowing that Hancock, of course, would not have been on VHS. Uh, <laughs> we can't forget that. Not. That's well, what we need Vince to do. Gilligan wrote that movie, huh? That's weird. Yeah. No way. You yep. Hancock. Uh-huh. How about that? He's currently, currently uh, making one of the best shows on TV after having already made another of the best shows on TV and also wrote Hancock, yep. a bad movie. <laughs> 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 Gotta get started yeah, somewhere, I guess right? So. Uh, well, he started on the X Files, didn't he? He, he was on X Files, right? Yes. Yes. I don't know why I knew that. I didn't even watch X Files. Uh, uh, anyway, this. Um, what? Do we have any uh, thoughts before we get into the spookiest parts? I mean, I think that there's an extreme amount of detail to building the trash world that the narrator lives <laughs> <Yeah>. in. <laughs> Which I thought I thought was just interesting. I know that's like a throwaway word that doesn't mean anything. Um, but considering how not important really the narrator is in the story itself, like it's not as if they come back to somehow be related to Charlie Baker or wrapped up in the story. You do get an extreme amount of detail about what this person's life is like and um what like just the whole there's a whole sequence of them going to the public library and uh how far it is from home and how the air conditioning is nice and they have to pay money because they're not a member of the library which i've never heard of i just want to say (laughs) it does not cost money to join a public library Uh, sometimes sometimes they'll uh They'll charge you like a small fee just to get a card. Um, or this could be one of those libraries where getting a card is free, but if you want to use their computers and you don't have one, you have to pay like a dollar an hour or whatever. Sometimes they do that just well, to keep um, just to keep like random weirdos out of the library. It's not working. You still go. Hey, Ooh. I just went to the uh. library this morning. <laughs> uh. My point exactly. Uh. Anyway, I thought that that was something that I usually see in a story where the narrator's persona comes back around to be important. And yet sort of this location and this narrator were not important to sort of the crux of the story. And yet all of that stuff is there. Yeah, that's true. Because the narrator's in, uh, does it say Alabama? 
Uh, yes, and this all what happens in Nebraska. Yeah, so like it's it's closer than if he lived in like the Pacific Northwest or something. But it's like it's not like he discovered a local crime. So yeah, that is interesting. I didn't even uh, it didn't even occur to me how odd that was. Mostly because when I listened to this story, the person reading it was doing an incredibly bad Southern accent to read the story. <laughs> Uh, yes. Imagine, though, the rewrite of the story where the narrator is in, like, Portland. <laughs> See, that would be much more realistic so. because uh, that whole area has so many serial killers throughout history. Like, everyone is from there. It's uh, There's a huge problem with murderers. And so that would kind of... So I, I want to see the, the Portlandia rewrite of this, where instead of being like in a trailer in Alabama, you're like... He's in spotting a in a band's apartment. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's get into our spookiest parts. Lisette, what is the spookiest part of this story for you? I think the final scene in the video where Charlie has taken his little daughter out into the cornfield where... Her head's covered in a burlap sack, and she's sitting next to her dead mother who's been out in the sun for days. Um, I think for any kid, that's just like Nightmare Central. Mm-hmm. Um, and it speaks speaks to the deep part of me that was always terrified of something happening to my parents when I was a kid. So that's my spookiest part of the story. Kira, what about you? What uh, What's the scary, spooky part? Um, I think... <laughs> Finding out that uh, the local police eventually find the bodies, so you kind of get it taken back into reality. The local police find Betty and Tabitha's bodies, so Betty got stabbed to death, and Tabitha just gets left there and dies of dehydration. And then many months later, they find the body of the little boy stuffed inside the house's sewage tank. Yeah. That that was something. We sort of, like, with the videotape, see the beginning of all of this, and then... Uh, the author discovering later, like, what actually, how it all ended, yeah, it was pretty, like, oh no, I saw the beginning of the worst thing possible. (laughs) Um, for me, it was, the spookiness of it is sort of how it was, like, an accident, um, like, I, it wasn't no, an I mean, accident. The narrator didn't find this on purpose. They weren't, oh, they weren't getting part. a VHS of unsolved mysteries. Like, they just happened to find this VHS. They thought it would be cute and funny. Um, and then it turned out to be horrible and they got pulled into this whole mystery, like, out of nowhere by accident. Um, and I, like, I, you'd think the creepy part would be like, uh, it's the South. There's some like this could be anybody the creepy hill people but like you don't get the sense that mm-hmm. any you don't get the sense that this narrator is at all worried about um their community being like a dangerous place um and so that doesn't it actually seemed kind of appealing i was like oh i mean no internet is a bummer but i'd love to just kind of like live in a trailer with a tv and not have a bunch of distractions all the time that would be nice um, you just want to crack open a cold one with the boys and watch exactly. good burger. <laughs> 
the dream. Uh, yeah, so like that, it was almost refreshing to not have a story about the Deep South be about how there's danger around every corner, um, and sort of sort of show someone who's like living in extreme poverty but uh, isn't miserable or a criminal, which are usually the uh, only types of stories we see about people who are living in poverty or even in the lower middle class. It's like never presented as like, well, I'm just living. I'm pretty happy. So that was refreshing. Um, but then it made it all that much spookier that, uh, that they found this tape with all these murders on it. <sighs> yeah. Actually, actually, I uh, had one more thing to add to this, which was uh, when you were talking about like living in the trailer and being in the deep south. I used to live in the south when I was a kid. Um, my family lived in Georgia, like really south of Atlanta, next to Alabama, like deep south. And um, I think the author of this story did a great job of like setting the scene, but there were like small details they could have dropped in to make it like more believable. Like, for example... Um, I doubt that in, like, rural Alabama, they would have a Chili's. You know, they would probably have, like, a Waffle House. Like, I... Like things like things like that didn't actually read like completely like southern to me. I just have to. I had to. Yeah, that, that actually there. does make sense because he says he spent a quarter of his rent getting uh, driving to the library and getting a uh, registered there, and then it's just like he's just going to drop in uh, into Chili's for lunch. That seems like a right, but the library is what seven hundred and fifty <laughs> miles away. Like, <laughs> I get that maybe this is a more like uh, built up area than um than where he is normally spending his time but it's so weird that he'd be like I'll just uh you know oh no you know what? it was he's not even at Chili's at the library he's at Chili's like before the library he just goes to Chili's for lunch after Goodwill I don't know it's it that yeah you're right that is really weird one because it's Chili's which is probably not going to be uh in a deeply economically depressed area and also because this person is so worried about not spending a lot of money and then just blurge on a lunch at a sit-down restaurant alone on a normal day. Yeah. Also, in my experience, uh, Goodwill as a name brand thrift store is far more expensive than those <laughs> off-brand thrift stores, which are everywhere in the South. So you should have just gone to one of those it if you wanted to save money. It could just be a genericized trademark situation, though. Oh, gosh. Uh, you mean where, like, instead yeah, of a exactly. tissue, it's a Kleenex? Yeah, instead exactly. Instead of a thrift store, it's a Goodwill? Uh, well, then that just feels like a lie. Uh, I feel lied to. he does specifically <laughs> say um, Goodwill is cramped between a bakery and fabric store. Uh, so, like, my town's Goodwill. Yeah, so the way it's worded makes it seem like, yeah, it's the name brand one. But you never know. But what, it's it's just a fabric store, yeah. it's not Joanne Fabrics? You don't it's have between, a name brand fabric uh, store. Can't think of a name brand bakery. Oh, well. <laughs> I guess Me there neither. are those. Yeah, I guess. Dunkin' Donuts? They, <laughs> Dunkin Donuts. Yeah, I guess these technically count. Those always seem more like coffee shops to me. They make their donuts, uh, Dunkin don't Donuts, they, I think, I gets crazy? them frozen um, and, and, and then warms them up. Uh, but uh, there are places, yeah, exactly. What a lie. Krispy yeah, Kreme. Krispy Kreme, it's I think, be makes Krispy them Kreme. fresh. Uh, it's only donuts. That's the only Probably. kind of bakery we have in America. Um, <laughs> now, let's get into our plugs. Kira, I'm going to assume that you are still a phantom who will haunt anyone that attempts to contact you. 
What are you talking about? I have a huge online <laughs> okay, <go> presence. On. <laughs> no, I don't. That's, that's a joke. Wait, but uh, I don't know where I'm going to put it because I don't exist. But um, I am writing a spooky story of my own based on a really weird dream that Nelson. I had. So I've already had a past perhaps, guest once, uh, however, uh, who I ventured would... into the the fields of actually two two past guests have written stories for No Sleep now inspired by being on the show. Dude, I don't know. I try and stay away from Reddit because it's like a cesspool of cis white dudes. Just mm. anyway, I think point this, is, um, I think this story. <laughs> I think this story <laughs> was really a white cool. dude, but I think last week's story was a lady. <laughs> well. I don't know about the uh, audiences at all, but I know um, the um, there seems to be some amount of gender parity in the not with a D the P A R I T Y uh, with the authors at least. Um, <laughs> But much like uh, much like you, they are worried about the dudes on Reddit, uh, and so if anyone is like uh, Er Embry or whatever, like pseudonym, it's probably uh, not a dude because they're like they want to hide their feminine name or whatever. Um, yes, I'll post under the name um, "very manly dude man." Just be, and people uh, will love my J.K. Rowling. No one will ever know. Uh, anyway, uh, Lisette, where can the people find you? You can find me at LisetteVoidCo.com. You can find me on Twitter at LisetteVoidCo. Basically, if you type in LisetteVoidCo on Google, you'll get me everywhere that I am. And uh, I'm a freelance writer and a freelance editor, so if you want me to write or edit your words, uh, hire me. You Thanks. can find me, of course, in the usual places, funtimes.online, also known as weaponizedlanguage.com. You can listen to Seeing Reddit or Someone's PC or other episodes of this show all on there. You can read some of my stories that I've posted on there, but most of my stories now end up on patreon.com slash jeffjk, where $1 a month gets you access to one piece of writing and two extra podcasts. And oh, etsy.com slash shop slash funtimesonline, where you can buy some crafts that I make. I make little uh, doohickeys out of perler beads, uh, like fridge magnets or bootleg amiibo figurines. Um, you can get the Facebook Angry React. Uh, you can get a little Mario. Uh, I think I, yeah, I have the whole family from Bob's Burgers there. Uh, all, all of it. It's all there. Please buy it. Uh, or go to bit.ly slash wishlistjeff and you can buy me video games or comic books. Uh, that's all for this episode, and there's no good ending line, because this story doesn't have any one-liners in it. Bye. <laughs>